Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit us at www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Well, welcome to Thrive Church this morning. How's everyone doing? Well, with that clap, it seems like that you survived the holidays so far. Good deal. That sounded like a pretty hearty clap there. Usually after Christmas, everybody's like, how you doing? They're like, yeah, huh. You know, I'm kind of halfway here at church. It's good to have you guys here today. Um, real quick, a couple of, you know, quick announcements that many of you will not listen to anyway. You'll tune me out. That's what they do in announcements. Is Acquire the Fire. If you have students uh, or you are one ages 12 to 20, we're going to be uh, doing Acquire the Fire at the end of January. Make sure you sign up for that. Make sure you talk to me about it um, or Jordan. And we'll be carrying a group of students there. The money's due January 6th. Um, if you don't know, email me. I'll get you more information. Also, too, we're not doing anything on New Year's Eve this year. Um, I don't stay up late. I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you. I've had families get mad at me because I went to their house to eat and left at 9 o'clock. Well, he don't like us. No, I like to bed. I will be asleep at 12 on New Year's. But everybody's talking about, you want to pray to bring in the New Year's? I'll be in nocturnal intercession praying for all of you, having dreams of, you know, what God's going to do at this church. But we will be gathering Wednesday night. Uh, right here, you know, as our normal time, 6.30, and we're starting a study in the Gospel of John. Very excited about that. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we're going to go through John. I don't know how long it's going to take, but we're going to get through it. And so make sure Wednesday that you're here uh, for that. Uh, make sure also, too, uh, my buddy Frankie, I call him Small Daddy. If you don't know him, uh, then you need to get to. We need to pray for him this week because he's going to go up and have surgery and, uh, and, and pray for him. So make sure you keep him in prayer. Well, turn your Bibles this morning to First Chronicles 19, 1 through 5. And uh, I want you to look at the screen for this picture we're going to show you. And as you turn to First Chronicles 19, 1, this says here, shaving says a lot about a man like I'm not one. Now, that means shaving your beard. Now, you're wondering why in the world would somebody show that at church? Well, I'm going to show you because this morning I'm going to talk to you about growing your beards. And so I need you to touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you would look so much better with a beard. Just tell him you look so much better with a beard. And, and hopefully it doesn't offend any of the ladies in here when I say that. You'd be so beautiful with a beard. And the title of this morning's message is Grow Your Beards. First Chronicles 19, 1 through 5, and I'm going to read this to you here. It happened after this that Nahash, the king of the people of Ammon, died, and his son reigned in his place. Then David said, I will show kindness to Hanun, the son of Nahash, because of his father showed kindness to me. So David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came to Hanun in the land of the people of Ammon to comfort him. David's doing some good stuff for this guy, isn't he? And the princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanun, Do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? I mean, you know, at that point he just said, Yeah, man, the guy's just sent people to me. Yeah, I think he cares. What have you done lately? Um, then he says, did his servants not come to you to search and overthrow and spy out the land? Therefore, Hanun took David's servants, shaved them, cut off their garments in the middle and at their buttocks, the Bible says this, friends, it's sitting me, and sent them away. Verse 5 is the key for this morning. Then some went and told David about the men. And he sent to meet them because the men were truly and greatly ashamed. The king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. Let's pray. 
Father, this morning I pray that you would help me to communicate your message. Uh, Lord, let your word speak. And I pray that every person in here, Lord, would leave with their hearts renewed, restored, and they would be excited for what you're going to do, God. Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. Let me not get in your way. And I pray that every student in here would have their hearts ready to receive the living word of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. David's men, who he sent there to do a good thing, got captured. And when they got captured, the enemies didn't shave off all their beards, but only half of them. And they cut their pants where their hind parts were showing. Now, use your holy imagination when I'm telling you that in church this morning. And so they were humiliated. They were ashamed. They were disappointed. And David, like any good leader, has a plan to restore them. And I believe many of us could relate to these men here. You're on the way to do something good. You're on the way to do something good for someone. And then you go through a season of disappointment, a season of hurt, a season of shame, a season of of humiliation. And maybe half your beard didn't get shaved off and maybe your buttocks wasn't showing. But spiritually, we could say that about our own lives. And that so many times we find ourselves just like these men here, that we go through a season of hurt and disappointment. Because in life, you've got to understand there's expectation, right? We all have expectation of marriage, of, uh, of what parenting's going to be like, of a job, of a church. And then when reality meets expectation, there's usually paved with the road called disappointment. Because, friends, I don't know if you know this or not, and maybe you're new to life. Maybe you were born last night. Um, if you were, I want to help you out here. It will always be disappointing. Reality will hardly ever meet expectation in life. And a lot of times on that road, we usually give up. We usually back out. We say, God, I just don't want what you have for me. And even in those seasons, it's easy to lose hope too. When you go through a hurtful season, it's easy to to think, will this ever change? Will it ever get better? You know, is there ever a way out of this? I don't know if you think those things, but I think that way so many times when I'm going through a season of hurt and disappointment in my life. But you have to realize That even in those seasons, and maybe you're right in the middle of one, that God has a plan for you. He has a hope and a future for you. You know the Hallmark card verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? You've seen this everywhere. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and give you hope and a future and peace. and You know that, right? You can finish it. You can preach it. That verse is not a Hallmark card verse just to encourage us. Do you understand what was happening there? The Israelites were sent by God into captivity to the Babylonians, the most wicked people on earth, the Chaldeans. They they were sent there, and they're in exile, the middle of exile. They are serving the most wicked people ever. I know some of you feel like that at your jobs, don't you? You're like, my God, why did the wicked prosper? But they're in the middle of this hopeless situation, in the middle of despair and and hopelessness. God gives them this promise that I'm not going to leave you here. I've allowed you to go through it in my sovereignty, but I'm not going to leave you here. I have plans beyond what you can even see in your own life right now. And see, you've got to trust God in those situations. And King David was looking at his men just like God is looking at you and saying, I have a plan for him to restore him. And this morning, I'm not going to take much of your time up on on this eve of New Year's Eve, but I do want to show you three points you can write in your notes this morning of how we find restoration and what David did for his men. The first one you write in your notes is this. 1 Chronicles 19.5 is our key verse. The first one you want to write is wait at Jericho. Wait at Jericho. And this is the David's plan for restoration for his men. 
Verse 5 says, Then some went and told David about the men, and he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. The king said, Wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. See, David saw the hurt in these men's eyes. He saw the shame. He saw the disappointment. Could you imagine being the commander-in-chief and you send these men out to do something good? You know, round up your best guys and say, hey, man, let's go comfort the king of Ammon. Let's go, let's go encourage him. And they come back and they're like, man, they totally humiliated us, man. Half their beards are gone. I mean, that's bad enough as it is. I mean, not having a beard is pretty bad, but half the beard being gone is terrible. Because we all know that beards represent coolness, right? <laughs> Seriously, you, you got to stop joking. I'm trying to preach here. <laughs> he saw the hurt. And what I like about what David did was David didn't send them back home. He didn't let their children see their fathers come back humiliated. But he said, wait at Jericho. And he sent them to Jericho. And you have to understand something significant about Jericho. The Israelites, when they first entered the promised land, Jericho was the first victory they secured in the promised land. It was the place where God moved mightily on their behalf. You guys remember the strategy there? It was walk six days in silence on the seventh day shout. And so David sends them back to a place where they remember the first victory that they had ever experienced as a nation in the promised land. He sends them there, very, very strategic. He also sends them there too, I believe, because there's a strategy God used in conquering Jericho that we often overlook. We think God just gives words and then he just destroys things and he just does this and does that. But there's a strategy which God used. He told them to walk six days in silence and on the seventh day, um, you know, shout. Now, I don't know about you. But I could probably walk for six minutes if God told me to, right? I could, maybe I could walk for six hours. Anybody with me? Probably, probably we could do that with some help. Maybe a couple rest breaks. You got to do it in silence too. Some of y'all hadn't been silent in six minutes ever. And all the husbands said, amen. I'm joking. But could you imagine six days walking Six days straight, no water breaks, no encouraging words, no text messages, no Facebook status updates on what you're doing. Nothing is going on. And sometimes what happens to us, we don't have a place like Jericho when we get hurt. When we go through a season of disappointment, a lot of us want to jump right back in the game. We want to get right back into it. Whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's ministry, we're ready to jump right back into it after we've experienced hurt and shame and disappointment in our life. And we have to have a place like Jericho where we remember the victories. Friends, when you go through a season of hurt and disappointment and pain, you need Jericho. You need to remember a place when you were victorious, when good things happened, when you saw God move mightily. Because when you're, listen, when you're walking six days and nothing's happening, it's easy to wonder if God's ever going to move again. Amen. It's, it's easy to wonder, God, are you even here with me? And we don't have a place like Jericho where we can remember the victories of what God has done. But the other place that we don't have either is we also need to understand God's strategy. When you're waiting at Jericho, you need to understand you need to worship God in the mundane. See, especially in Pentecostalism, and that's what I grew up in, so I can pick on Pentecostals. If you didn't, you can't. Um, but I can, I, I can pick on, because we celebrate the seventh day shout. Somebody shout in church today. Oh, we had a good time because everybody shouted. My only problem with that was one out of seven times did they shout for victory. 
It was the six days they had to walk in silence to secure it. And a lot of times we don't know how to worship God when nothing's happening. When we don't see God moving, we don't really see God working, we may maybe see things going in reverse. We don't know how to worship God. Uh, we don't know how to worship God in the mundane. And Jericho was a place where they had to realize that God works when you don't even see it. And I believe David had a message for them. I'm just speculating, but I believe that. So I don't want somebody who's on fire after they come back from a conference. I'm being serious here. I thank God for conferences. I hope our youth go to acquire the fire and they get the fire. I really pray that's what, that's what it's called. So maybe they're going to give them a fire. That's what they're promoting. <laughs> but I don't want to see people who come back from a conference and they're excited. I want to see somebody on Thursday morning after they've had a bad fight with their husband. And the checkbook is red like the blood of Jesus. And they can still get up and read the word and pray and serve God when nothing's happening around them. Because so many times, you know, and I said this a few weeks ago, I want to reiterate this, and I, I believe it's a point we got to hit home, is that we think we need some experience to continue to worship God. But that's not what the model is here. They walk six days in silence and nothing happened. Can you worship God daily when you see nothing going on waiting at Jericho after you come through a bad season? Waiting is important. I remember uh, in my life, I served as a youth pastor. And I have a friend here that's now serving as a youth pastor at that church I was at. I served for four years. I poured my life into that youth ministry. And I, I, I resigned, you know. It came to a point. God told me it's time, time to step down. And, uh, and I had a guy to take it over. And eventually my friend here did. But, you know, I wrote a book. Well, and I, I, my book was getting published that January when, when I resigned. So my plan was this. Are you ready for my plan? You ever see, show God your plans? He'll laugh at you. My plan was to write this book and travel and speak to churches about leadership. And, yeah, it's funny, right? Yeah, real funny. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you all guys, you guys have a laugh at my experience. But my plan was to travel and, and, and share leadership principles. And I wrote this book, Seven Principles for you know, Leading the Church, and you can get it on Amazon today. And what God did for me, and not to me, but for me. We say to me too many times, it's for me. I ended up working in my friend's double-wide trailer in the corner of this double-wide, marketing uh, tombstones to people who didn't want it. I made call after call after call after call. And worse than that, I want you to check this out here. That sounds pretty bad, right? I hate cold calling. I don't like it. I, I couldn't, I, I can't sell anything. I don't need the example to give you. I'm just bad at it, put it that way. His wife had a daycare there in the double wide. And so every morning while I was calling, I had to listen to Door the Explorer. <laughs> I mean, you trying to ego boost? That was one, right? So I sat there and listened to Dora Explorer every single day. And the sad thing is, I think I began to like Dora just a little bit. I was like, hey, when I have kids, it may not be so bad if I get to watch Dora the Explorer. But I sat there and I sat there. And I'm telling you something, nobody wanted to read my book. And I couldn't pay a church to bring me in to preach. I could have gave them an offering. And whereas before, I was traveling with a drama team and a praise team. And I was going around doing youth revivals. So I thought, I'll just continue that. And God had me wait at Jericho because I came out of a bad season. There's some things that happened in that church that wounded me. There were things that I experienced there that, that, that were hurtful. And so God said, I'm going to have you wait at Jericho. And it was during that time I almost lost sight of, do I even need to be in ministry? Maybe I'm not cut out. Maybe I'm not good enough. And it was when God began to speak to me at that point in the mundane and say, Kevin, if you'll just walk six days in silence, I, I'll show you the miraculous there. 
wait at Jericho. And sometimes we have to learn just to be obedient, man, when nothing's happening. A lot of times we give negotiations to God, don't we? If God does this for me, then I'll be obedient. There's a story of this hunter. He had this very loyal and faithful dog. Go ahead and say all, because you're going to need to say it before I even give you the story. Go ahead and do it now. Go ahead and get it out. Okay, good. I won't feel so bad. But this hunter had this faithful dog, and, and, and this dog went hunting with him. And the hunter told the dog to stay beside the stand because he had to go back home to get something. He forgot something very important. Say so He goes back home, but then he realizes he had to get something else. And, and three hours later, he comes back, and a forest fire had broke out. Uh, the dog didn't survive, and as news reporters got there, and they were asking about the, the blaze, and they were talking to the, to the hunter. He was the first one who'd come back to you know, help uh, put it out and stuff. They said, you know, what happened? He said, well, all I know is this, this, and this. He said, but I have my dog here. He said, my dog stayed when I told him. He said, you know something funny about that little dog? I always had to watch out what I told him to do because he would do it. Let that be true about us. That our master tells us to do something. He needs to know that we'll do it. That we'll be faithful no matter what we see happening around us. No matter the consequences. We have to learn to wait at Jericho. Remember your first victories, man. Some of you guys need to go ahead and you do need to replay the tape. You need to, to replay the highlights of things that went good. In marriage, you know one of the things in marriage you have to do? When you start going through a bad season, you need to remember the good times. And the best marriage advice I ever had was from my mentor. He said, make the good times great and the bad times won't be so bad. Because you'll start replaying highlights. Remember, things ain't so bad. And this person that I, I married to is not that bad after all. Learn to replay victories and learn to worship God in the mundane. Here's your second point this morning. That David gave his guys, his command was grow your beards. Until your beards have grown. Grow your beards. Look at First Chronicles 19.5. Then some went and told David about the men. And he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown. I love that. And then return. We know why David did this because beards are manly and cool. He wanted his guys to, he wanted to have a cool army, right? But we've all established that. But I believe the second theological point here is I'm doing hermeneutics is uh, that beards were a sign of strength and confidence. That's probably what it really meant back then. And when you shaved half the beard off, it was a sign of humiliation, a sign of lack of confidence. And so David knew the men had to be restored. They had to find restoration from the hurt that they had. And so David sent them to Jericho to do that. Wait until your beards grow back. The second point is you got to realize you got to heal from shame. Not only just wait, but you've got to find healing as well from the hurt. And he knew those men needed healing from what they had went through in their life. And so he sent them back to grow their beards out, to you know, patch up their pants so you know, their buttocks wouldn't be showing. And he sent them back there to do that. And this is what happens so much in our life. Two major areas, don't you pay attention to this, two major areas this happens is relationships and ministry. When we go through a hurtful situation in a relationship, one of the worst things you can do is jump right back into a relationship. Jump right back into the next thing. And I see that. It's called rebound. R-E-R-A-B-R-A-B-O-U-N-D. You guys got it? I sat on the bench in basketball and I listened to that over and over again. So that's how I know that, that chant there. Rebound. We, 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 we rebound from something and we jump back into a relationship. And I've seen so many train wrecks because people jump back in. And I don't just mean husbands and wives. I don't mean dating. But I mean sometimes you've got family members who you probably don't need to call for a little while. 
Because every time you call them, they drag you through the mud. You got some people that, that maybe you don't need to jump back in a relationship with because every time you do, you find yourself in drama. And can I tell you something? If your life is full of drama, it's because you want it to be. If your life is full of drama, it's because you want it to be. You can control drama in your life. You can answer the phone or hit decline. Amen? That's, just, that, that's extra. I didn't have that in my notes, but you can write that down and keep it. And don't even put an offering in the plate for that one. But the second point is this, and, and let me just talk to you for a second, is ministry. And I don't mean pastors alone. Hopefully pastors will hear this message. I don't know if you know this, but just... Do you understand that people actually get hurt in churches? I don't know if you know this or not. I mean, this is, for some of you, this may be the most shocking news you have ever heard. But people actually get hurt in churches. I don't know if you know that or not. I just want to make sure you're on the same page. I'm being very sarcastic if you, if you, if you can tell. And sometimes we get hurt. And, and people say, well, churches, why do they hurt people? People hurt people, man. I don't care where you're at, you're going to get hurt. People just like to blame church so they don't have to come back anymore. If they blame the church, then they've absolved themselves from having to come back. But let me say this, man. Sometimes we jump back into ministry too quick. And, and you need to be careful if you've been hurt somewhere, if you went through a tough time, the worst thing you can do is drag somebody back in to the game and put them back in there. And I've seen pastor and minister after time, people come in and they, you know, they, they served at this area in this church. They did all this stuff at this church and they come here. And, um, and, and I'm not seeing it so much here yet because we try to protect people. But they get involved again. They burn out real quick. That's why we are here to protect you from yourself. Amen. So relationships and ministry are two areas you've got to protect yourself from and say, God, I'm not going to jump back in. I'm going to take time to rest. I'm going to take time to, to process. Because if you're not healed, you're going to fall back into your own cycles again. Addictions. This happens so much in addiction recovery. If you're struggling with that day, let me just tell you something. At the sixth month of addiction recovery, you believe that you have graduated and you don't need help any longer. It happens. Six months, man. You've been clean six months. You feel like it's been six years, and so you're ready to get a relationship and get a job and jump back into it. And within two months or three months, you're right back in the same cycle again because you did not heal up from the root of what was happening in your life. And here's the other thing, too. If you've not healed up, you can't discern what God is doing and who to connect with. Because, see, you attract who you are, not what you want. You follow me here? You attract who you are. And you got to heal up so you'll know who to connect with. Because if you've not healed up, guess who you're going to start connecting with again? The same people who got you in, the, in that the first place. You'll get connected to an unhealthy situation, unhealthy relationship, unhealthy job, unhealthy church, and be back in the same situation again. One of my favorite movies is Friday Night Lights. I'm not telling you to watch it. I'm not endorsing you and your family to watch it. Okay? But this, it's the movie, not the TV show. I don't like the TV show. I think it was very good. So if, I'm not talking about that. But Friday Night Lights had, had, a, had a point in time in there with this star running back. Man, he was running over everybody and through everybody. He was doing great in high school, his senior season of high school. His team was poised for the championship. And, and, and the running back at, at one point gets tackled, and he tears something up in his knee. He falls to the ground. And they bring him off. It's real sad. And him and his uncle go to the doctor. And his doctor shows him the MRI. And he says, son, you're going to need to take about five weeks off. And we're going to do a little bit of surgery. You can play by the end of the season again. You won't get a full season in. And, and, the, and the boy's uncle was mad. He needs to play. This is his senior season. He needs to be in the game. 
I can't believe this. No, no, he can play. He can get a big knee brace or something. He's got to be in there. Colleges are looking at him. We can't afford him. We can't afford the time. And so when they go to the coach, the coach says, um, you know, Uncle, uh, I've got the man's name. He says, how's uh, running back doing? He says, oh, he's fine. He's ready to go. We've got a special brace for him. Ain't nothing wrong. The first play, he goes to make a, a lateral move. And because of his MCL and ACL, he rips his knee. I mean, it just, it, it, it's, it's bad. He falls down. He's crying. And the doctor says, son, you're done for the season. You may never play again. And the point was is that he got back in the game too quick. He didn't get proper healing for what was going on internally inside of him. And that's so many of us. We don't get healing from what happened inside of us. And then we jump back in the game and we find ourselves hurt once again. And some people do that and they jump in too quick and they're hurt beyond recovery. And, and they may not have any more games anymore. I, I remember in ministry, and I've been hurt in ministry before. People talk about churches hurt, man. Yeah, churches hurt. Yeah, man, I got to get hurt by a church and didn't go. Go back anymore. I've seen churches divert their tithe and offerings to starve my wife and I out, made sure we didn't have any money. If they all sent it to a building fund, then the pastor couldn't get paid because it was designated. That, that, now, that's spirit-filled actions right there, isn't it? I had a guy one time told me, he said, Pastor, I've never seen a man work a full-time job. This wasn't here. This is previous. He said, I've never seen a man work a full-time job and do what you do and you pour into us. Man, I'm going to write you an exodus to the mountain. I'm going to write you this check. It was, a, it was a large, large check. I said, sir, you don't have to do that. I'm good. He said, no, no, no. We believe in you and we love you, Pastor. I said, all right. He said, I'm going to give this. Let me bless you. I said, all right, man. All right. So he gives me the, the, the check. My wife and I deposit it, and we're like, you know, writing checks out for bills, and we're excited. We're church planners. And all of a sudden, I started getting all these bounce check things come back. And he deposited it, and then he went and canceled it while I went deposited. So I had just enough time to show up, but then come off. And I called him. I said, hey, man, I just wonder what happened there. We were trying to, he said, well, I'm not coming back to your church anymore. He said, and, and if you want me to pay for your, your, your bounce checks, I'll pay for them. I said, no, sir, that's fine. I said, no, we're good. Thank you for all your help. I've seen things in church where people can be evil to you. And I thank God that in those times he's allowed me to heal from that because what happens is if I've not healed, I'll punish you guys for what they did. And if you've not healed, you'll punish people for what they did to you. And you'll keep punishing people that have never done anything wrong to you in your life. And you'll meet somebody that has the same haircut as the person who hurt you, and you'll be a jerk to them. I ain't trusting him. I don't like his haircut. Looks like that last man's haircut. It sounds funny, but we're being real. You'll get into relationships, and maybe you went through a divorce, and maybe it was tough, and then you get into another relationship, and you blow up about something, and the guy's like, or the girl's like, I don't know what you do. Why are you getting so angry? Well, so-and-so did that to me 20 years ago. And if you don't heal, you'll continue to punish people for things that they've never done to you. So healing has to take place. And I'm going to tell you the thing that I have to do. My wife helps me with this. She's, she's my best counselor. My wife is actually the associate pastor here. She doesn't hold any duties or responsibilities. She doesn't run women's ministry or children's ministry. She doesn't sing or do any of that stuff. But she counsels me daily. She keeps me sane. And one thing, how you can know how hurt you really are and if internal healing is taking place, what statements do you make about situations? And I've realized in my life, I'll make a bitter 
statement. I'll be like, and I'll say, man, that's bitterness. That's all that is inside of me saying that. And that bitterness comes from the previous hurt that I went through in my life. And you've got to allow God, once you that happens, you've got to allow God to speak to you and say, God, help me with this because I am hurting and hurt people hurt people. In the Gospel of John, there was a man that was lame at the pool of Bethesda. And he was laying there. And for, I think it was 38 years, he was lame and been laying at that pool. The amazing part is this. He, 38 years, he had never got healed from the little, you know, legend they had about the pool. You know the other interesting part? He was also around a whole bunch of other people that were lame as well. He had lame friends. Youth pastor joke. He had a bunch of lame people around him in the same situation he was. And a lot of times when you are hurt and you can't find healing, you don't need to get around a bunch of people who are hurt as well. Because you'll keep having the same conversations and you'll keep being the same predicament you are over and over and over again. Find healing. Grow your beards back. Spiritually saying, you know, man, if you want to, that's still cool. But spiritually saying. And finally this morning, my third and final point is this. Return. Simply return. Look at First Chronicles 19.5 as we read through this again. Then some went and told David about the men. And he sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. The whole idea at stage one and stage two was to get them to return. See, some of you are at stage one right now and you're just waiting at Jericho. It's dark. You don't know what's going on. You feel like it's foggy. Does God have a plan for me? What is that plan? How do I fit into it? Um, I don't. Maybe you don't go through that, but I do. I'm just, just being honest with you. And so you're foggy. Well, what's the plan, God? Or maybe you're at part two where you've been waiting, but now your beard is starting to grow back and you're becoming cool again. Maybe you're getting to a place you're gaining confidence again. You're like, man, I really feel like God's healing. But some of you are at point three where God's ready for you to return. See, the plan the whole time is to get you back in the game. He didn't send them to Jericho to punish them. He didn't send them to Jericho to sideline them from forever. He sent them to Jericho for them to eventually return to that place once again. And you have to realize that God has the same plan for you. He wants you to return to be more effective than ever before. Let me tell you something. I... I would rather work with somebody who has been hurt than somebody who has never been hurt. Let me explain that for a second. The worst people you can get to serve in a church, and this is my reality, I'm just speaking about my job, is those who are straight out of Bible college. They come out of Bible college, man, and and they think that ministry is reading the Bible all day and just praying. Now, that's part of your personal devotion life. They think ministry is preaching, and excitement. They, they're naive. And I, I've been there. You don't know what you could, you could affect. I like to find people who have scars. Who we can sit around a table and say, man, I've been hurt like that too. And I remember when they did this to me. But the people have moved past that as well. You don't want people who've never experienced pain in their life. You don't want to be around people who've never been hurt before and had to experience that. You want people who have battle scars in their life and who have been through it. But you also don't want this either, and, and you don't want those who've experienced it but can't get past it. You don't want to be around people who've experienced hurt. You know, it, you don't want somebody, it's one thing to go through hell. You know that, that, that statement people use? But it's another thing to stop and live there and camp out in it, and that's your experience. It's funny to me to watch, and, and this is not a knock on anybody of age, but 
people who get stuck in an era of wearing clothes. <laughs> so my, my dad finds these shirts that he likes, and that's all he's ever been since, since I was like 14. It's like 18 years, 19 years ago. He's wearing the same type of shirts. He's never been and, and, and caught up with the era that he's in. You know people like that? They never progress. It's like they're still wearing leisure suits to church. And you're like, hey, man, um, JCPenney has a sale. You want to check it out? I'm, I'm just saying. They haven't bought new clothes in 20 years. That's how people who've been hurt are. They're still wearing the same stuff on them that they, they were wearing 20 years ago. And I don't want to be around people who've been hurt but can't get past it. That are still stuck in an era of where something happened to them. And, and that's people you don't want to be there staying there who can't get past their past. See, God's plans for us to return. I'm going to use another sports message. Any sports fans in the house? I feel the anointing is growing in this place right now. You might need to call the prayer counselors back up, man. It's just something serious when you got that many sports fans in. Everybody excited about the big game tonight? Yeah, okay. I'm going to start a church fight right here. I, 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 had, uh, I texted Jordan the other day. I said, hey, man, I said, you ready for Sunday night? He's like, what's happening Sunday night? And he was like, oh, man, what's going on at ministry? He thought maybe I'd book something for church um, instead of actually. Uh, I said, no, man, it's the game. He's like, oh, whew, good. But Peyton Manning, if you guys know him, if you don't, he's, he's going to be a Hall of Famer when he retires. Peyton Manning had four neck surgeries last year. He didn't play all year. And most doctors thought maybe he was finished. I remember watching the little videos. They would, they would sneak into Sports Center and he was trying to throw it. It didn't look as good. And it was like, that's all they could. Thank God Sports Center had a story and he was the story. I don't know what they'd done without Peyton Manning. But they had this story on him that he may never play again. And then if he comes back, how effective will he be? And what will he look like? And I don't know if he'll ever get there again. All these guys had their, their predicament of Peyton Manning. But Peyton Manning sat out a whole year, went through four neck surgeries, and got the proper healing. And today, Today, Peyton Manning is probably playing the best that he's played in many years for the Denver Broncos on a new team. The plan was to return the whole time, but he had to take the process to make sure that he was healed before he ever got back in the game. I want to close with this here this morning. And I want you to follow me here. I'm not a Bible numerology guy. I don't believe all... all, There's a lot of quacks out there that believe way too much into it. But that being 2013, the number 13 is significant. I was reading this week, and I want to just encourage you guys with this. Abraham, at 86 years old, made a huge mistake in his life. He went into Hagar, and he birthed Ishmael. Bad mistake. We're still suffering today from it in the Middle East. Made a bad mistake, 86 years old. For 13 years, Abraham had to live with the decision that he made. He had to live with the idea that he hurt someone, he hurt his wife, he's hurt God's plan for his life. And I I believe he was in a place of shame and disappointment for 13 years when he realized this was not God's plan for him. But the funny thing is at 99 years old, God reiterates the promise to him and God speaks to him that, I'm going to do something through you, and I haven't given up on you yet. And it's very important that it was 13 years between the two. If you're good at math, you'll know 99 take away 86 is 13. 
And I just feel, and this is on my heart, this is just on my heart, I believe, I believe 2013 for many of us is a chance to heal. It's a chance to get back in the game again. It's a chance to find healing in our marriage, healing in our jobs. If you've been laid off and you feel like, man, nobody wants me. Healing at church, that you've you know, come to a church that you feel that you can grow in and you can flourish in. But I really believe it's a time of some of you guys coming through those phases in your life and God working in a major way. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes in here. And I just want to say this morning to you with your head bowed and your eyes closed. That if you're in here today and I've talked about finding healing and, and a new start and all those things and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is your day. God brought you here. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, you're unsure about your eternal destiny. This is your day. And you don't want to walk out of here not knowing because God brought you here divinely today. And I'm here to encourage you, to tell you that God is drawing your heart. If you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior this morning and say, man, I, I just want to accept Christ as my Lord and my Savior, I want you just right now just to lift your hand. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. Right now is between you and God. I want to know that heaven's my home, that Christ is my Savior. Maybe you've walked away from God, and today's the day of renewal. Today's the day for salvation for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. It's you and God, but you don't want to leave here not knowing. I'm just saying this. Just lift your hand that that's you in here. Amen. 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 Hands going up everywhere in this place. Amen. Well, as you sit right there, I, I want to pray for you this morning. And as you're sitting there, if you raise your hand, you can simply pray this where you're sitting right now. And I want you to pray where you're sitting if, if you just accepted Christ in your heart. I want you to pray right now and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again for my sins. And then you tell God that I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I commit to live for him the rest of my life. I want to I pray for you real quick. I'm going to pray for the rest of these guys. Father, for every person that raised their hand in here, I pray right now that, Lord, they would know that this is a day of salvation. It's a day where your spirit has come to live inside of them. I pray, God, that they would know that they're no longer living in jeopardy day to day. But, God, they are saved and restored because of you, Lord. I pray, God, that they would live for you, that they would jump in fully with you and be all in for what, God, you want to do in their life. I just pray for them for strength. I pray the enemy wouldn't lie to them. And I pray, God, that they would, they would walk greatly with you. And, and, Father, I just pray for the rest of the people in here. And for the rest of you sitting here with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if, you're, if you've gone through a season of disappointment and shame or hurt and you feel like, man, you're coming out of that season or, or you feel like God's doing something in that and you want to find healing, you want your spiritual beard to grow back, you want to patch up your pants, I just want you just to, to lift your hand and say, that's me in here.